You're listening to the Social Selling Simplified Podcast. Stick around if you too are obsessed with learning things that actually work and believe that success leaves clues. We're all about identifying results-producing roadmaps and getting super clear on how to scale and grow your online business. From part-timer to president, social selling expert Ashley Shaw will help you connect the dots and take the guesswork out of what works to grow a social selling empire. It's time to hear from social selling legends, listen in on truthful conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks to reduce the marketing overwhelm so you can build the social selling business of your dreams. If you're ready to go all in, no holding back, and build the business you've always wanted, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, social selling guru, and fitness industry OG, Ashley Shaw. I'm recording today with the intention of making myself a little bit uncomfortable. When I think about the last year, I guess really the last 14 months of my life, it has been a bit like a bomb went off if I describe motherhood. And I think that it's something that really isn't talked about enough, or maybe I'm not reading the right things or looking for it in the right places. But on today's episode of Social Selling Simplified, I want to get really, really real about motherhood and the journey of being a mamapreneur and doing all the things (laughs) that involve raising a child and raising a business. Hey coach, this week's episode is sponsored by something I like to call my secret weapon and I want it to be yours too. If you're not getting engagement on your posts and you're not sure why, or you want to find challengers and coaches, but they're not coming to you and you don't know what you're doing wrong, or you want the shortcut to growing your coaching business fast, but feel like there's something keeping you from gaining momentum, my ideal customer cheat sheet is designed specifically for you. You can post pretty pictures with great captions, but if you're not talking directly to your ideal customer, you won't get what you're looking for. My ideal customer cheat sheet contains a process most coaches have never even heard of, and it will help you get crystal clear on exactly who your ideal customer is and how to talk to them. That's what makes this your new secret weapon to slowing the scroll for immediate engagement. Go check it out at ashleyshaw.ca slash ICCS. I don't think it would be right to start this episode without talking about my before motherhood life. For anyone that's been around for a while, you guys will know our journey to having Coco was rocky to say the least. I went through uh, two failed pregnancies and it was, I guess, all in all about a three-year process by the time we had Coco. And I think that during that time, for anybody that is, you know, whether it's failed pregnancies or struggling to get pregnant or Whatever the situation for me, I felt like I was very focused. Like I knew that we just had to get through it to get out on the other side. But I think what also happened in that process is I threw myself into work because it was the only thing that really took my mind off the yearning of wanting a child and trying to deal with all the emotions, the ups and downs that come from finding out you're pregnant or the anticipation of hoping that maybe this one will work this time. 
And I just absolutely really threw every emotion I had into building a business. I think that that really sort of set the tone for the next phase of what motherhood would look like for me. In terms of when we finally had the call that you know we were having a girl and Coco was was going to be okay. For those of you guys that haven't heard the previous episode uh, I recorded on uh, heartbreak and rainbows, I have a genetic condition that when I conceive boys, there's this 50-50 chance that they will not be okay. And health-wise, there are many, many complications. If you've heard of Wiscott-Eldrick syndrome before, this is the genetic condition that I carry. As soon as we found out we were having a girl after two try, this was our third try, it was definitely a sigh of relief. Now, I think the interesting thing about pregnancies, and if you have had a loss or haven't been able to conceive in the past, you know that there is this trauma that lives in your body. And I think I had never felt that type of trauma before until I had gone through this experience. And it was like nothing could fill that void or this longing for wanting a child. When we finally did get pregnant with Coco and we knew things were going to be okay, it was almost like the first couple of pregnancies, you sort of feel a bit robbed of this joyous, like, you know, everything's going to be fine and sort of this, I don't want to say ignorance, but that's what I guess I could maybe describe it as everything's going to be fine. But the thing that I guess did differ for me with the pregnancy is that as soon as we found out she was going to be okay, there was this huge optimistic feeling that washed over me that no matter what happens, no matter, you know, if she's screaming at night, if she's colicky, like whatever the situation, I am going to be so grateful for it because I may not have had this opportunity. So every bit of it, every pregnancy pain, every, you know, everything that I had gone through in conceiving of my body going through those three cycles of being pregnant, not pregnant, pregnant, not pregnant, all those sort of things. I took it with stride and I think just tried to be this really strong person throughout it all because I was really grateful that I had this chance to carry this baby. The transition then, of course, really happened when Coco came into the world and it was all of a sudden this change of everything I used to identify with and throw myself into my business. It was like this other identity that I had had was all of a sudden shifted to caring for this little child that needed me all the time. So I think like everyone goes through this where the first couple of weeks, your hormones are a little bit all over the place. And I remember feeling like I was on drugs a bit, like euphoric and uh, just this crazy, great feeling like, can you believe this little being is here now? And that felt really good. I thought, whoa, this is crazy. Like, I can't even describe this feeling like it's so cool. But I think what started to happen after that is that as you know, you both are sleep deprived. And I was very fortunate. My husband, Bill, took paternity leave. And we had 
had hired somebody in our business that was able to kind of take over the day-to-day operations. So I wasn't needed all the time, still checking in and those sort of things. But at that point, it was just like a wave of, holy shit, what do we do? And I was chatting with a girlfriend of mine and she said to me, oh, it's the three months of darkness. That's what you're going through. The three months of darkness where you get no sleep and you're just trying to keep up day to day. And I think I had a really hard time admitting that maybe I'm struggling because for so long, this is what we had wanted. And it was like, these are the problems you prayed for, girl, like just get with it. Like, So I had a hard time, I think, expressing that maybe I had been struggling, but I did go back to the training I had had around if you are struggling in an area, you just hire someone. That's what you have to do. And very quickly in about three weeks in, we hired a doula who came and did the night shifts for a period of about six weeks, which allowed us to kind of get caught back up on our sleep, start to feel good again, and all those things. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, you might be like me, where I started to feel that a piece of my identity was missing and I wanted to get back into work. And I remember this like awkward hustle of like waiting for the baby to go down so I could try to like cram a bunch of work in. And it was just this ongoing cycle that almost made me, I think, a little bit resentful of like, I just need to get into ClickUp, into my Slack to do this. And it felt like a very unhealthy habit of just hoping to get more time to go to work. And I think what I maybe didn't realize, or maybe I did realize at the time, but it was when you put all your eggs in your work basket for a long period of time you're attached to that identity. And I would say this is something that I've always struggled with is being very attached to my work performance. I mean, being in a sales-driven job, I think always like you were treated differently based on if you were performing or not performing, and that was just the culture. So I think I've internalized that. And if my business is doing well and things are looking up, then I can take pride in that and it impacts my confidence in how I feel. And if the opposite is happening, it also impacts that. So to all of a sudden have something in your life where it takes you away from those things that used to make you feel really good and accomplished and like you're making progress, it was a trying time for sure. And I think any mother or parent that is going through that I would say now, like, know that that is 100% normal. And it doesn't mean that you aren't grateful for the experience of becoming a parent or that uh, you don't love your child from, you know, with every fiber of your being. It simply means that there are certain things in your life that fill up your cup. And there are certain things that it's like finding that yin and yang again and and how that is going to work for you. And I remember a, psychologist telling me that some parents are great at that newborn stage. Some are, you know, they really thrive at the toddler stage. Others are just parents for teenagers and that's where they do their best. And I remember hearing that advice and thinking, okay, like I, maybe I just need to figure out what my groove is and where I can really shine. And I think it really happened when Coco turned about 
I would say it was about six or seven months. And she really started to interact a lot more. And it was like, not that I could love her anymore (laughs) as a newborn, but it was this different admiration that started to come out that it just felt different. It just felt, whoa, like this is going to sound crazy. And I'm sure maybe some dog people feel like this, but I've always had dogs in my life that I have like loved the shit out of. Like I couldn't love them anymore. And I remember my mom saying to me like, this is going to be like a dog, but even better. So I remember that relationship just feeling like it was shifting and all of a sudden her needing me just created a different space for me at that time. So yeah, I remember my mom telling me, you know, it's like having kids is like so much better than having a dog. And I remember thinking, I don't know if it could be like, I love my dog so much. They sleep with me every night. Like I talk to them, like, I don't think it could be better. And then this moment hit about six or six or so, it might even have been earlier, maybe at about five months where Coco all of a sudden started interacting with us. And it was like, holy smokes, like not only is this crazy because dogs in the past, they just couldn't really talk back, but she's going to be able to talk. And like, it just like blew me away. And I don't know if that is a, I feel sort of vulnerable admitting that, that that was my thinking of like, whoa, this is so much better than a dog at that point in time. But I guess I was one of those people that my dog was, dogs were like kids to us then. So it, uh, yeah, was just definitely this moment of like, whoa, this kid is so cool. And this is only going to get better and better. Now, that's not to say that this last year has been a breeze. There are many things that I have learned in this process. And as Bill and I navigate if we're going to try to have more children or what our situation is, if we're going to adopt, like where do we sit? It has brought up a lot of things that we've had to processize in our lives to really thrive for myself as a mompreneur. And these are the things I really wish that I would have known before I took being a mom and entrepreneurship and tried to meld those in and do both. So the first thing would be those first few months, like get a night doula, get somebody to come to your house and to help you out because you're just, I think that that is just such an important time to be able to get caught up on sleep. And I know for me, my patience and all those things start to go if I am very sleep deprived. Maybe you have a mother, mother mother-in-law, some family member that can come and help you with the nights, but there are also night doulas available. So definitely make sure to look into that. If you are new to this, that could be something that helps you in those first few months. The second thing would be to have a maternity plan. Now, I know for a lot of us, if you're a business owner, you're just going to jump right back in or that's at least the goal and the hope. But I think that having a little bit of time and space there to not worry about what was going on in the workspace was really helpful for me to just like take it all in. And even though like I was eager to get back in and see what was going on, I didn't have to, which I think is really important. So we set up like a six month plan 
leading up to before I delivered Coco. And I had a cesarean, so it was like a longer recovery and those sort of things. But it was great to get a lot of things into SOPs and processes that were created to make that transition a lot easier for me to be able to step to the side for as long as I wanted and then to be able to step back in. The third thing I learned about being a mompreneur was definitely to give myself some grace. If I look back at the last year and I think about how I wanted to emerge out of this as a mother and be just embraced my motherhood while also being an entrepreneur, I think there are a lot of moments that you know, that mom guilt kind of comes in like I could have been more patient. I could have done this a little bit differently. I could have changed the way that maybe I felt about this certain situation. And I think if anything, one of the greatest gifts that motherhood has really given me is the gift of seeing grace in others. So being able to see that in myself too is an important lesson. Now, one thing that I really noticed after I became a mother is just how much appreciation and admiration I started to have for my mother. I remember looking down at my daughter as she was breastfeeding and thinking about like, wow, like my mother did all of this for me too. All of the wake-ups in the middle of the night and the diaper changes and the snuggles and like my mom did this for me. And it was kind of this full circle moment to just think about how much she gave. And as much as, you know, none of us are perfect, whatever the heck perfect means in this, giving your all when you have that gas in the tank to give and taking time to rest when you need it, I think is really what we're all doing and doing our best in doing. So that reflection on my own mother and taking some time to give myself some grace for not knowing how to be a mother perfectly by any means, that has been a huge learning lesson for me in reflecting back on this year of entrepreneurship and motherhood. And my mother was also an entrepreneur. So there were so many gifts along the way that I learned with, you know, my mom was so independent. She definitely was home with us for a period of time. When my brother was 18 months, we had a nanny. And it allowed my parents to do the things that they still loved, which I think made them really people full of passion and chasing their ambition. And, you know, we've gone down the same path. We've had a nanny various times throughout Coco's life in the beginning. And we have an au pair actually booking her flight right now to Canada coming from Germany. And I think that my parents really showed me that when you make space for yourself, you can live to your fullest potential. And for some people, being home with their kids all the time is like exactly what fills their cup. For me, it wasn't that. Being the full-time caregiver is not what lit me up. It was being able to practice my passions at work and work with a team and really learn how to serve people in my audience. And Online business is really like a game and it's always about figuring out the strategy to win and to do good and to create good karma. And we've always been addicted to that strategy. So it's probably very normal that just being at home all the time was not going to fully fill that cup for me because I've always found satisfaction in those other areas. 
I think that's the third thing that I've really learned from this is to give yourself that grace because we all fill our cup in different ways. And there's definitely ebbs and flows with being a mother and enjoying parenthood. And I would even say there's that fourth lesson in there as well with getting the help that you you know, need is maybe not the right word, but the help that you crave so that you can still be who you are. Like you're not getting just lost in the motherhood of everything that's being thrown at you. That would definitely be the fourth learning lesson there is how to still create that space to be your own person. Because I think ultimately for me, my happiness comes from being able to play in those zones of genius that I really love. And I love spending time with my daughter. Like, absolutely. I also get energized in other ways. And it's important, I think, to know what those ways are so that you can keep the practice of those around. Because sometimes doing the same thing, like it's just like workouts, right? You do the same workout over and over again. It becomes not as exciting anymore. You're not as jazzed to do it. So I think variety is definitely the spice of life. And it's important to keep that in there as well and having help where you can have it and where you want to have it. And I think the fifth lesson here has really been around scheduling out my ideal week. This is a principle from Michael Hyatt, and he talks about the ideal week and really getting clear on what you want your week, your weekends, all that to really look like. I think we can get stuck in this, you know, nine to five, I'm going to work nine to five every day sort of situation. And for me, I was never a nine to fiver. I have certain spurts where I work better, but I find that the eight hour workday, a man, I used to be able to work like 10 hour, 11 hour days, no problem. But now that's much different for me. My body cannot handle being at a desk for that long. So I have to change up the routine and my ideal week really reflects that. And so what this idea is with your ideal week is to look at that balance that you want to have. For me, I want to be done by 4 p.m. most days so that I can you know, have dinner with my daughter. I can help with bath time. I can read stories. Like I like to be really present for that component. And I start work at nine. So I get up with her. We have breakfast, all those sort of morning rituals. So that really has become sort of the ideal work schedule for me. I like to be done a little bit earlier on Fridays. And just really building that in. I think that's the beauty of running an online business is you can set your schedule around how you want it to be instead of the other way around where you don't have a choice and you just work these certain hours. The other thing I think about my ideal week is we actually, this is a hack in itself, but we have a nanny that helps us with making and prepping lunches while Coco sleeps. She's doing all the food prep and then she also preps for dinner. Now, if you were to ask me about my ideal week, that's not necessarily something that I enjoy all the time. Again, variety is a spice of life. Sometimes I like to do some cooking, but if it's an obligation that I have to, I'm not as much of a fan. So What works out really well for us is we've come up with a bit of a system. Like during COVID, we found Instacart, which is grocery delivery. And it's incredible because you can go on their app, you can order, 
whatever it is that you need. And I order groceries about every two to three days because everything we're eating is really fresh. And, you know, you want to make sure you have good ingredients. Like nobody likes to open a box of mixed greens and have like the gross slimy ones kicking around. So I prefer to have groceries come every couple of days. And so we built it into the schedule that that is part of the meal plan. And we plan out about three days in advance. We order all the groceries and then we have our nanny prep all the food while Coco is sleeping. That is part of my ideal week is that I can outsource that cooking component. And it really is more reasonable than you would think because you have the opportunity if you are having someone come in and help with your kids, or maybe you just have somebody a couple hours. Like really, if you already have all the ingredients, someone is doing the cooking for you. We don't do a lot of meat cooking per se. We follow, there's a book that Bill bought me for my birthday called Mandy's Gourmet Salads. And there's grain bowls in there and salads. Like we eat from that book 80% of the time. So I guess in not always preparing a whole bunch of meat. We do end up eating a lot more vegetables. It also saves on cook and prep time. But when we do do a bunch of chicken, then we'll do a bunch at once so that it cuts down on that. So I think just really tuning in with being able to live your best life, always just doing the things that you want to do. It just makes it so, so much more fulfilling. And you know, in closing out this episode, this was actually a really impromptu episode, but something I felt really, really strongly about that, you know, I think there is a stigma that if, you know, when you become a mom, you're going to love every single minute. I think especially coming from the experience of it wasn't easy to get here and you're going to love everything about it. Well, I will say this has been an absolute bonkers year for learning for me learning the new normal, learning how you can love something so much it friggin' hurts. And also learning that you can lose yourself in the shuffle of it all. And that's okay sometimes as long as you find your way back home to who you are and what you love to do. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for listening to this episode. I would love to hear more of your feedback on this. Like how do you manage being a mamapreneur and doing all the things while still finding that space for yourself. Thank you guys. And we'll see you next time on Social Selling Simplified. Thanks for taking the time to level up today. If you're ready to commit to personal and professional growth, move forward, make money and grow your health and fitness business, head to my free community on Facebook, Business Bootcamp for Fitness Coaches, so I can support you every step along the way. Thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll see you right back here next week on Social Selling Simplified.